Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, man. Hey, we got a new segment, listeners. It's called People Who Annoyed Danny at London Film Festival. We got a few to work through. We did a few of them last week and a guy the, the week before, but we're still powering through that that list. People grinding my gears. People grinding Danny's gears. I had a much better experience at the festival. I feel like I didn't get that aggravated by any individuals. I didn't have people doing like annoying shit to me all the time. But you didn't. You you know you had a worse. Uh, worse I went, I went to more movies, more data. To you know, that's true. Coming in. So give us a few more of the highlights of the, of the wankers. Well, there was this wanker, this female wanker. Fem- I was sitting, wanker. you know, had this great seat for Wonderstruck, the new Todd Haynes movie, which wasn't that good. Uh, and her and her mates are next to me, and she she had brought in <laughs> a box of popcorn to a yeah. fucking press screening and started munching away. And there's no like trailers or ads to you know finish that before the movie. They just start. So I had to move away, but I I fucking I gave her a bit of a glare. Can I interrogate a bit why popcorn is much more unacceptable in your view for a press screening than for a regular movie? Well, I basically... I I hate popcorn anyway. It's loud food. It's loud. And also, I feel it just betrays, like, you're not really into the movie. Like, if you're there for a press screening, you at least nominally, even if you blagged a press pass, you're supposed to be there to review it at some point. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be... You should be, you know... Committed. Committed. Maybe have, have a notepad note- or something. Have an, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Yeah, I sat next to a few people who had those, and that that was not too irritating to me. And so that pissed me off. And then there was this other guy. I mean, maybe I'll see him every year, and I'll, maybe we'll become best friends. But um, this guy he just wore a hat with a feather in it, and I just really took a disliking to him. He wouldn't like take the hat off to like the movie started. It's just like this. <laughs> like, what's going on? What sort of hat was it? Like it was a, like it's like a little trilby, like a little trilby, like a little trilby. Yeah, it literally had a feather in it. What sort of feather are we talking? Like Hat. just like a big, like a quill. Yeah, big feather. Like maybe he took the the feather out and started writing notes with a quill. But got our part in. I didn't see it. So this is really from a completely different era of male fashion. Well, I sound like such an old man, but the way the press screens work is that if there, are, you, if you're a student, you can get a pass, but you can only go in if there's free spaces. So there's like two queues. And he was a student, and I just looked at these students like. These people should Children, be, you don't deserve should, to be here. You don't deserve to be here. All right, where's your 100-plus episodes of a podcast you do? Yeah, we put the hours in, you know. Put time. This takes, takes a lot of effort. are you, just studying? Are you kidding me? Go fuck yourself. Stop freeloading. I'm freeloading. Yeah. Fuck off, you fucking virgins. Go freeload somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What else was he wearing? Uh, just normal clothes apart from that. But... I mean, he wasn't like in full cosplay or some kind of... Uh, no, it was like, you know, know, he just looked like a normal guy, but then he had something. like a sort of like, you know, his jazzy accessory was his hat. Yeah, but just, oh, he's peacocking. Maybe he's hoping to pick up. He's a PUA. 
Yeah, he's obviously read the game. He's obviously. read the game. He's he's a Neil uh, he's Strauss a, he's wannabe. A, he's a Strauss acolyte. Did, work, did he have? Did he neg you at all? Wait a second. Was he like that nose wouldn't look good on most men, but on you, it it almost looks. I good. mean, yeah, we we fucked, but <laughs> but you know, but he, yeah. but he still annoyed me. Yeah, sure, sure. It was it was an angry fuck. Yeah, I was you, like, yeah. I'll prove you wrong. Bro, yeah, by fucking you, <laughs> fucking your brains out. Yeah, stupid prick. <laughs> okay, and you you're getting one scrambled egg for breakfast, and you're out. Get out. I get three. You get one. <laughs> you pissed me off. <laughs> See you in the queue, dickhead. <laughs> but call me. But call, call me. me. It was fun. But call me. It was fun. I'm quite lonely. Uh, so, Danny, what, what is uh, what is this podcast? When we're not fantasizing about you fucking some hat wearing student. <laughs> what what are we what are we talk about the rest of the time? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. I got the perfect description of our podcast right here. Uh, film chat uh, is about Sam Foster, the son of a slain NYPD officer who joins the police academy. After graduating, he's taken on the wing of his father's former partner, Captain Danny Moran, who invites him to join the Street Vice Crime Task Force. Under Danny's tutelage, he becomes part of this task force, which he discovers consists entirely of dirty cops. After he learns from the district attorney office that his father was murdered by Danny, Sam frames Danny for a theft from a powerful mob boss called Katie Rogers. Rogers orders Sam to kill one of his friends as a sign of his loyalty, which he reluctantly does. With Rogers' help, Sam then kills the dirty cops responsible for his father's death. At the end, the district attorney's office approaches Sam, urges him not to take Danny's place as Rogers' right-hand man, and Sam ponders whether to go straight or not. Is what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of the classic film Freelancers, starring Robert De Niro and Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. This is, in fact, just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran, and joining me is a man for which the ends always justify the means. This Machiavellian angel of death, Sam Foster. Hey, uh, I want to put it on the record that I would reluctantly kill somebody if Katie asked me to, in order to you know achieve her favor and then raise rise up in her organization. Um, sure. I mean, I'm not, Who wouldn't? Dro- I'm not dropping hints, but I'm just saying I would do that if I was asked. Um, it's fun going against the grain, you know. Uh, you feel like a smart, critical thinker standing out from the crowd when everyone loves a thing and you're like the one person who doesn't like it. You, you feel like you're an iconoclast pointing out the emperor has no clothes, sometimes pointing out that the emperor, people say, is naked, actually has clothes on. Uh, and that's why this is going to be one of the smuggest and therefore best episodes of Film Chat ever as we take hatchets to a trio of movies that many so-called professional critics with so-called jobs Wankers. in which they are paid to review films. Those guys, the movies that they have acclaimed. Wake up, sheeple. Okay, Noah Baumbach's The Meyerowitz Stories starring Adam Sandler. Not all that. All right. Grindhouse prison drama Brawl in Cell Block 99. Rubbish. Satirical chamber piece The Party. A poop fest. If we still have breath in our lungs uh, after after decimating those crap films, we will also be yelling at the Idris Elba and Kate Winslet romantic drama The Mountain Between Us, though that was very badly received generally, so shitting on it won't be as satisfying. Plus, we'll be once again peering into the widening abyss that is the Harvey Weinstein sexual assault scandal as it grows to consume the whole Hollywood establishment and potentially all of society. And we'll be rounding up the laughter, the tears, the yawns, the burps, and all other bodily functions Danny and I experienced at the London Film Festival. All that should leave just enough time for me to slaughter a few more sacred cows and critical darlings as I seek to cement my reputation as the number one contrarian out there. 
BBC cop drama Line of Duty? I don't think so, buddy. Uh, shove it up your ass. Late period John Coltrane. Unlistenable tripe. Overrated. Uh, that man's not hot freestyle that, got, that went viral. Should not have gone viral at all. I've heard better and I thought it was wank. I'm about to flesh those out a bit. <laughs> That's the basic idea. Correspondence this week. I did a Twitter poll. I've been doing some Twitter polls. Most of them have been met with precisely no engagement whatsoever. A lot of, you know, I ask a question and after a day it says like 0% for both entries. I've Too, cool. Too cool. Too um, cool. But I had a successful one the other day. I tweeted the question Which stage of Colin Farrell's career do you prefer? Hollywood Bad Boy or Art House Dilf? And 19 people voted, and Art House Dilf has won with 84% of the votes. Yeah, I, didn't, I think that's probably the highest response any Twitter po- poll has received. Yes. 19 votes. That's a mega response. So Art House Dilf barrel is... So has to be said, justice was done. What, how do you feel about it, Katie? Dilf! Dilf. Quite right. I would, agree. Would you rather bone Farrell in The Lobster or Phone Booth? Moustache! <laughs> 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 That just sounds like you're either bone him in the phone booth or in the lobster. There's, there's actually a, uh, a French restaurant uh, near me called that. So it seems quite plausible as the two different places you, you could fuck him. I know I know which Colin Farrell I want to bone. Which Farrell would you bone? The one from the This Morning interview where he flirts with Hollyby, Holly Willoughby. Hollyby Willoughby. Hollyby Willoughby. <laughs> oh, yeah? Is she like... Is she, just, is she flush? She, she blush. Blushing. Sploosh. She, she blushes and flushes. She's and splooshes. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> Someone was so into me, man. She was splooshing. Well, you've obviously never induced that I've never even this... woman. Archer. Archer. What? Is he in that? <laughs> what? say sploosh and Archer. Okay, all right. Why can't I thought you, maybe you'd speak you'd Speaking complete sentences. You told me not to speak. He <laughs> didn't tell you not to speak. <laughs> It said you should have a mic. And we literally said you should be mic'd up. And you took that to mean I should speak in one word, incomprehensible references. Archer. Okay, no, thanks for that. That means we've got an extra thing for our vocabulary. Brilliant. Dan Knoll uh, pointed us towards a big bit of film news. So we talked a little bit about celebrities liking movies. You've done segments before about politicians and what their favorite movies are. Have, We've talked yes. about, well, not Michael Owen's favorite movies, but like the only eight films that he's seen, which is kind of a similar thing. Even though he didn't De- like default. Any, <laughs> default fa- favorite films, even though he didn't like most of them. Um, but there's a new, a new category here. The Independent wrote an article um, about the favorite films of Prince George, who is... What three years old? <laughs> four, I believe. How old? How old's Prince George? Anyone know? Five, maybe. Maybe maximum five. I mean, he's. Let's, let's be honest with you. Younger than the audience for most films. I would describe him as as probably younger than than you you would expect to be to have like your favorite kinds of art. You know? Yeah. Like when? Do you know when you first developed a, a favorite film or a favorite like you know anything? Favorite no, painter. I loved something? everything as a kid. You know, you just watch any old shit, don't you? Yeah. Well, you haven't had enough life to have like 
categorize you've seen so many things that you can put them into different boxes exactly according to his father the duke of cambridge prince william the, the, from the of the to house his friends <laughs> of the of the house of windsor uh he uh was talking <laughs> says here to to an inquisitive young child i guess another kid maybe another toddler was asking him about his own toddler's preferences while participating in a, in a Paddington 2 charity event on a vintage British Pullman steam train. Oh, my God. Maximum British quaintness there. Get this. Loves Disney films. Shocker. Can't believe it. He quite likes The Lion King. That's a direct quote from Prince William. We've watched that a few times. He continued, we've watched Octonauts several times. He has watched some Lego movies as well. So he's watched a lot of things like that. What is Octonauts? Do you know what that is? Oh, I looked this up. It's a show about like a group of colorful characters who live in like a sort of underwater base and go on adventures in a sort of thunderbirds-esque romp all right i cool. think it's cgi it's like what inspired by octopus's garden maybe the uh yeah the but they're not they're not octopuses they're just like little bears or something okay <laughs> when like in little title. sort of hazmat suits okay that's that fun um yeah so big news oh, that, was, that, that item is rounded out by uh some extra info about uh, george's parents and what they like, big fans of TV shows Game of Thrones and Homeland. It's also been reported that the Queen enjoyed the Netflix series about herself. Uh, the so Crown. arrogant. <laughs> she, quote, really liked it. <laughs> so, um, well, I was thinking about, you know, The Lion King. It's got that song, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. So it's for, no wonder it's beastly. For most kids, that's just like a fun song. But for, <laughs> for Prince George, he's like, this really resonates when with me. When he's singing along to it, it really means something to him. Is the new baby, because she's Middleton's pregnant, right? With a new royal baby. Middleton. Middleton, as I call her. Because I went to boarding school with her. Middleton. Yeah. Um, Middleton's preggers. That's <laughs> new, is Middleton's preggers. Is the new kid a boy? And in which case, is like Prince George Mufasa, the new kid is Scar... <laughs> Got this brother, yeah. or is Prince William Mufasa? Prince George is Simba, and Prince Harry is, is Scar. Scar. Uh, that's a good question. You know what I never got about the Lion King? Yeah, which I didn't watch that much. As I know it's like a sort of big nineties movie, but for me it really passed me by. Yeah, for me neither. I watched a bit of it at Christmas uh, last year, but you know. But there's this whole bit about like obviously he kills. It's like Hamlet, right? So he kills Mufasa and like takes over the kingdom, which yeah. itself doesn't make any sense because like. You know, the, his subjects are the things that Lion eats. So it's a big royalist propaganda movie to begin with, I would say. It is, yeah. Um, but then, like, apparently, like, under Scar's rulership, the Serengeti goes to shit. It's like, becomes like a drought. But it's like, that's obviously not his fault, right? <laughs> like, what is it the usurp it's Scar? Just ag- like agricultural mismanmanagement. I don't know. They're like, they're like farming animals. <laughs> what did he do? I mean, what was he doing before? And what did Scar fail to do? I guess it's just a bit of, uh, you know, he's cursed. Like, God doesn't like it or something. It's a bit the of prophetic is, fallacy. The land is cursed. Yeah. Right. It's In order to have food to eat, you need to have the correct ruler to please your God, you know? Sure, right. And, that makes uh, sense. If, 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 well, you know, the head of, you know, the royal family is head of the Church of England. Yeah. So <laughs> it's all turning so together. Are, it's all, <laughs> it's wow, all coming together. It's all coming together. I guess we really are going to see the Lion King played out as, just as soon as the murder happens. Can't wait. Um, Can't wait for Prince Harry to crush Prince William's hands as he cling to a rock and fall into a, <laughs> a stampede of wildebeest. I'm sure that will happen. I'm sure it will. All right, that was a good little segment on royal film watching. 
Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated, Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped, Matt Damon's in a viral vid, Michael Bay's made a mint, that's the news that's been to print. So the Harvey Weinstein scandal is continuing to snowball in interesting ways, and it's just gathering more momentum in a way which is sort of encouraging. It feels like some sort of dam is broken. and Yeah, it's spilling out all over the place. Um, and so to document everything that's happened will be impossible. impossible to do and also probably horribly out of date by the time this episode airs. Yeah, I mean, we rec- we're recording this on Wednesday, so there's still a few, <laughs> few more days when uh, things can things can happen. But um, the latest stories today was that Reese Witherspoon talked about being sexually assaulted as a 16-year-old. Jennifer Lawrence talked about being in this um, humiliating lineup of women. Uh, and then a producer told her, that she should lose weight. Another one told that she was perfectly fuckable. That was a direct wow. quote. Wow. Uh, pretty fucked up. Uh, Bjork has spoken out about Lars von Trier sexually harassing her on the set of Dancer in the Dark. And then him and the, his producer denied it, probably had to deliver a more thorough account of what happened in a way which feels incredibly damning and hard to uh, disagree with. Yeah. And with regards to Harvey Weinstein, the producers Guild of America have expelled him. And the Academy, uh, as in the Oscars Academy, have expelled him. But they haven't expelled Roman Polanski or Bill Cosby. They're still part of the Academy. That is that is unbelievable. That is absolutely unbelievable. And also the Weinstein Company is for sale. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how that... I imagine the sort of idea is that apparently it will be split into little bits and sold away. Like a sort of, you know... Uh, Won't just be like rebranded as... Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Safeco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there was this interesting story um, about Kevin Smith, whose career was kind of made by Harvey Weinstein, as a lot of 90s filmmakers were, because he's because the Weinstein company, part of their business savvy, was going to Sundance and sort of buying up all these interesting independent films, which then flourished like uh, Clerks and Pulp Fiction. And he basically said, he tweeted that he financed the first 14 years of my career and now I know while I was profiting other people were in terrible pain it makes me feel ashamed and he said he's going to give uh, all the residuals from the movies produced by the Weinstein Company and Miramax to to an organization called Women in Film which is a non-profit organization that helps women get their start in the entertainment industry and he also pledged to give an additional $2,000 to the organization every month for the rest of his life and I mean that story made me think about what is we you, me, and Chris had a few beers the other day, and this obviously came up. And I referenced listening to uh, Still Processing, this great podcast we talked about before, Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham. And they made the point that maybe it's time to start ingesting your entertainment or thinking about the way you get your entertainment in the same way you get a, your food and the environment, in the same way people shop organic and try to eat uh, less red meat. And like, should you now just boycott things? Based on how their sausage is made. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's always this argument when the big scandal like this is like, can you separate the art and the artist? But maybe we just shouldn't and we should just like blacklist yeah, these I people think completely. A, I think there's a really good case to be made for that. And I think that it, re- it really brings home how um, easy it has been basically to uh, sweep kind of gossipy stories, like sort of behind the scenes stories of... Uh, um, like uh, people being badly treated is kind of categorized as gossip and it's just an interesting little thing that you know, you know, a bit of trivia. Oh, I hear that guy's a complete like nightmare to work with, you know, that kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, but all this latest stuff puts that in a completely new light where you're thinking like, oh, they're actually an abuser or 
you know, like a sexual harasser or or they've committed assault. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously there are other crimes where you would never watch that person's movie if they committed it. I yeah. mean, I don't know if you, what you could do that'd be much worse than what Roman Polanski did, but I mean, like, I don't know, like. It, it just um, brings it all uh, to the forefront in a, in, a, in a much more... It gives a lot more moral clarity in a, in a way that feels very important. Yeah, but the thing that's so um, frustrating and, well, kind of like typical and annoying about these statements that are delivered by the Academy and the Producers Guild is like, you know, we have a zero tolerance, you know, attitude this behavior. is like, well, you clearly, you clearly don't. don't, yeah. Because you should audit your books. You should be like, these people are out. You can't, like, you know... Yeah. They should... It'll just look even worse... I feel like they should seize the moment and be like, okay, this is the tipping point. The problem is like, that if it's a, it's obviously a structural problem, like it's a cultural issue in that industry and a lot of people implicated in it. And I think it's quite hard to clean house without like dismantling quite large chunks of it. And they probably are not willing to do that. You yeah. know? Um, and uh, I think that's the real problem because it obviously, they want to say that it's like a one bad apple type situation. Yeah, yeah, They'll obviously yeah. say, you know, oh, we 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 don't believe in this, and when we when we hear these things, when they come out, we take action very swiftly, and so on and so forth. But clearly, the, the only way that we say he's able to operate like that for such a long time is because it's tacitly condoned in the industry generally. Yeah, absolutely, and there must be many many more examples. I mean, obviously more are coming out now, but like, I mean, it's clearly rife. Um, and if they were serious about it, they would have to make very significant changes that they are probably like unwilling to make because it would be too hard. Um, but yeah, and I think that's probably why it is necessary to vote with your wallet a little bit on these yeah. things. And you probably do have to like stop seeing things. Uh, and why do we make yeah. a ghost story a blockbuster? Why did everyone do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, like, I'm a big Lars von Trier fan, like of his movies, but now I'm like, maybe I, know, I should man. just like not watch. But that's the thing, like, you know, yeah, that's the thing. It, uh, the Lars von Trier thing makes you think a bit of Louis C.K. When it's like uh, you look at their work and uh, you just think they're making some kind of interesting, ambiguous comment on something or yeah, yeah. whatever, and then all these stories come out about them, and you're like, oh, I, you know, okay, it was just that, like, yeah, there yeah. was no, there is no subtext. It's just that's you, and it's horrible. It's like he makes like von Trier makes a career of movies about women being like treated horribly and you know brutalized and raped and stuff and it's like oh i get it like you're just a sick fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> all the subtext is gone yeah it's, it's evaporated yeah. i don't know it sucks you know uh, casey affleck is presenting the best actress oscar next year <laughs> oh no my god are you fucking kidding me that's the way it works the person who wins the category because brie larson obviously won best actress the previous year she so she shade at casey affleck. well exactly yeah. but she was hosting it because that is the that's the way it works. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I hope it's frosty. I mean, yeah. How big will his beard be by then? How big will his, like, sex offender beard get? Yeah. Yeah. At least they could grow a beard, you know, so you can point them out in the crowds. You can tell, yeah, because they look like fucking Mel Gibson or Casey Affleck, you know. Yeah, he's been rehabilitated. Yeah, Gibson. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when when there are people like Gibson or Affleck, when they've already had their scandal, does the new scandal reappraise their old scandal? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or is that like, oh, it's for you, it's happened, <laughs> and it's we're just we're we we passed it, we passed that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's messed up. Do you think like I kind of think the Kevin the Kevin Smith response is very good? Yeah. But like this whole thing about Weinstein Company like being sold off, like surely the thing to do. Would be just be like all the residuals now go to a like charity that women, or yeah, exactly, yeah. and yeah. 
just the whole back catalog goes into sort of the ownership of a charity, like, you know, a sort of uh, Peter Pan, Great Ormond Street sort of thing. That would be, you know, that like, would be great. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that would be a great thing to do. I mean, uh, it's hard to propose really specific remedies because it seems like such a deep-seated issue. Like, what you really need to do is, like, completely dismantle the stranglehold <laughs> of men uh, over Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, create a lot more, um, I don't know, avenues of responsibility, whatever, and accountability. And I don't know how that would be done. That would certainly sounds like a good idea. Um, no, uh, I just, like, because I don't, I don't know, it's might be... D- Drifting from the point side, but Kevin Smith has become a slightly sort of like that guy who made good movies and now is just like a slightly whiny internet man who complains about bad reviews. And then like his response was so mature, it's like, oh, you're actually a grown up. I know that sounds very yeah. mean spirited, but like his most recent Albus has just been like uh, posting images of him and Silent Bob like crying at different celebrities' gravestones. And it's yeah, it's yeah, such yeah, a yeah, internet yeah. man child Columbia guy. Yeah, but, he's uh, like saying idiotic stuff about Suicide Squad. But like, whatever. yeah, exactly. Out of all the people connected to the Weinstein, his statements have been the most on point. It's like, yes, exactly that. Can I give well you an done. example of Kevin Smith's feminism? Yes, certainly. This is a tweet that he sent um, from on the 9th of July, 2009, where he says, Ten years in and we bone like we're cheating on each other with each other. A decade plus and her clit slash brown slash taint area still pones my dick. <laughs> what a beautiful tribute to his wife. Beautiful tribute to his wife. I mean, if you look like Kevin Smith, you just and you you know your his wife looks like his wife. You would feel that way, surely. Like, sure, he's a kind of heavy set. You, I, I don't know if you'd express it that way. <laughs> you would feel that way, <laughs> definitely. Can't believe this has worked Whether out for me. you'd express it that way, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it, it has. It has. I mean, that that statement really does stand out because he's like spending money on yeah. on it, and uh, he, he's addressing it uh, very forth. Uh, forthrightly uh, and some of the other responses have not been quite as impressive yeah uh, Tarantino's one was somewhat lame I don't know if he's followed up with anything but he was just like I'm so upset I'll, I'll write something in a few days but like I can't believe it blah 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 but it was very just nothing uh, yeah and um, what was that you've just gone past words now Kate, just... Katie's jerking <laughs> off two giant men to, 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 they all knew yeah I don't know I mean it's it's a it, probably he did you know I wouldn't surprise me at all if he did and Woody Allen's one was also a bit shit he was like it's tragic for the women it's very sad for Harvey Weinstein oh like, god it's not really that sad for Harvey Weinstein is it <laughs> it's probably probably more sad for the women than it is for yeah for Harvey Weinstein the real victim is uh, the man yeah no, sad for Myra Hindley sad for <laughs> <laughs> Ian Brady sad for their victims so bad for Fred West you know he's still so bad for him. he's his a real life, victim his whole life ruined you know um yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. Well, I'm sure this will, you know, be here next week. So, I'll look the, forward to this the, ongoing, yeah, the end of our segment, dismal, horrifying segment, meta disgusting. Yeah. Part two. On a lighter note, London Film Festival is finished. It's come to a close. Um, what were the? Did you look at the results and stuff? Who won what awards and so on? Uh, well, the official, we official competition w- was won by Loveless, the new film by Andre Zvaigintsev, director of Leviathan. Which we both saw and both thought was excellent. I don't, want to, I don't want to speak for you, Sam, but I thought it was excellent. I thought it was excellent as well. Yes, a, a worthy winner. Though somewhat of like, it came into the festival as a sort of heavy hitter because it already won a bunch of awards at other festivals. So it almost felt like it was cheating, you know. So There's a like, case to be made that the function of those awards should be to like highlight movies that would otherwise yeah, be Yeah, exactly. Radar, so, yeah. But it's so good, I can't really disagree with it too much. Um, yeah, I saw 51 movies. Many of them were very good. Some of them were a little disappointing. What are your top movies? 
My top movies are the following. Angels Wear White, Loveless, Good Time, Florida Project, Macala, uh, something else I'm forgetting. That was so good. It just is a race from mind. Oh, you were never really here. Oh, yeah. That was, that was the movie. I think that's the one that I'm most bummed about missing. Um, I want to see Good Time as well. Although you said that Netflix have bought it. Netflix have bought it. It's so amazing. that one. Ten years after Twilight, I've become a massive Arpats fan. I am so His career's Edwards. going really well. He's great. Yeah, and he seems like a sort of cool guy. I hope there's no scandals brewing about him. No, I mean, Case you cheated on him. Cheated on him. Yeah, he didn't cheat on Case you. Exactly. Prompting angry tweets by Donald Trump. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a very strong crop of films I saw. Nothing like, nothing really terrible, I would say. And yeah. it's just generally... I saw, I saw the really terrible uh, and Nine Digits or Nine Fingers uh, which sucked, but other than that, yeah, I didn't see didn't see anything too appalling. Well, I did a couple of movies I didn't like that I'll be reviewing shortly. But <laughs> I saw Congo. actually, I want to before it comes out, I want to go on record now, saying The Shape of Water, disappointing. Before yeah. the backlash starts, and I would so go. So you think it's gonna it's gonna arrive to a fanfare of raves, and then and then a backlash will set. I it. would go as far to say it's almost approaching La La Land territory in that it has problematic race elements and a very thinly drawn romance with slightly unearned sentiment unsentimentality uh i'm so angry i can't I even gotta, speak i can't speak i'm so angry yeah i don't know i don't i don't i don't necessarily agree. well there's definitely some problematic race elements in the movie there's no doubt about that um but i think the romance is constructed in a completely different way to la la land so i don't you know it's like presented as like you know, it's supposed to be some kind of Beauty and the Beast-esque, like, fairy tale, archetypal romance type of thing, which isn't, like, actually about, you know, it, people it, connecting. It's here's the similarity. Kind of, it's like some sort of symbol of love. Here's, my simula- here's the similarity. It's, like, basically, in the same way Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone don't really have characters, you're just supposed to get past on charm, I don't think the fish monster and Sally Hawkins, like, I think, like, he made a mute just so he didn't have to write any lines. They just stare at each <laughs> other. That's what, like, Lolland is. They're just staring at each other longingly, and then they have, like, a elaborate Hollywood dance sequence. Yeah, but I think that La La Land, they're supposed to have rich inner lives and be, like, people in the real world, you know, who's, like, the, the movie illuminates their sort of complex modern lifestyle with uh, all sorts of other stuff that they do and the songs and everything. Whereas The Shape of Water is a fairy tale that's like, you know, the princess and the like meets the prince or whatever. It's that it's that it's, that's how it's like set up. So I, I mean, don't, I don't I don't think like they're on a level playing field in terms of the my my point is depth. Well, if, no no depth either way. That's my point. Yeah. Well, like I mean, yeah. It's it's a uh, and when the tide comes in my favor, I want history to show history that I was you. on it. From the first screening. Ah, well, I, I, there's a number of things I enjoyed about it, but let's not jump the gun. Let's not jump the gun. Let's I just want to. I just want to get that in there. Right, you can enough. cut it out if you want. <laughs> of course, of the... course, I will. Anything you say that I disagree <laughs> with, I edit the fuck out right away. And that's um, like, I'm just like, no, 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 no cutting no. that out. I don't want to bring this a podcast down with these wrong opinions. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's very exciting for me. I have to say, having not had this festival experience. No, I'm old and jaded. Old you did last year, but. It was cool. I'd recommend it. Listener, start a podcast. Blag your way uh, into the London Film Festival with a press pass. And don't sit next to me with popcorn. 
Don't say next to Danny with popcorn. Okay, don't no. don't just say that an embargo is fucking offensive to uh, some guy you're just trying to like. Don't wear a hat. Get tickets from. Don't could, wear a fucking hat. Could end up can end up boning. And if you do, don't put any feathers or uh, like any animal part in, in it. Well done to all the organisers. Great job. Well run, festival. Very well run. It's such a next year. A maybe not have it at the picture house. Yeah, living wage campaign. They right. did, they were great. Their campaign was amazing. Yeah, you see them on the, got... the premiere with like the billboards? Oh no, I didn't. Did they? Oh well, okay. This is what's uh, going on. Yeah. Well, like um, the closing night film was free billboards up Ebbing, Missouri, the new film by Mark McDonough, and the catalyst of the plot is that Frances McDormand plays a mother whose daughter has been killed, and she thinks the police aren't doing enough, so she erects. Well, she buys advertising on these free billboards that say, "So and so, this happens. Why aren't the police doing anything?" And the um, living wage campaign just like got the same billboard like styles with like you know LFLF, you let us down, still no living wage. Oh, that's so. They good. reappropriated the that's you know so stuff good. from the movies. Yeah, I didn't see that. Well, oh, <laughs> I was gonna say it was really successful and got a lot of traction. And, um, uh, I'm I'm an idiot and I don't I don't follow what's going on in the world. Yes, sorry. You know, we had the living wage people. We had to become scabs for a couple of weeks just to see all these movies. But now that that's gone, back to back not to, being a scab. <sighs> Yeah, that's the best thing about principles, right? You just flex them up when when it's convenient for you. Yeah, that was that's. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the whole point of having them. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. It's time for the party. Um, a review of, of the film with our name. So, um, The Party is a uh, British black comedy film directed by Sa- Sally Potter, which is uh, out last week, I believe. Um, and it's got a bit of buzz, I think, mainly due to do its quite well-known cast. Um, it stars uh, Timothy Spall, Kristen Scott Thomas, Patricia Clarkson, Killian Murphy, uh, Bruno Ganz, you know, Hitler. Hitler? Hitler, Hitler from Downfall. He's in it. He's not playing Hitler this time. What? Um, don't want to insult the man's long, <laughs> illustrious career, but, you know, Hitler. Uh, and uh, Emily Mortimer <laughs> is also in it. Um it was being very heavily advertised at London Film Festival. Like in the in the Pitch House Central, like the party was absolutely everywhere. It was like it seemed like they wanted to make it the biggest film, or whatever. Um, and it got kind of like quite good advanced notices. Um, and it's also got a kind of political topic because it's about a woman who's recently become a government minister and she's hosting a dinner party to celebrate. So I was curious to see what kind of political edge it was going to have. Um, here is a clip. It's a mirror. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> what is it you do again, Tom? Uh, work in finance. Oh, yeah. 
You're feeling okay? Yeah, kind of good. You? Sick. Actually. I don't know what that clip's going to be of. Haven't decided yet. But I'm sure I can find one. And I hope you liked it. So, um, yeah, but it, it just wasn't good. It kind of <laughs> <laughs> so to pick up, pick up my thought from where I left off. It was it's sort of generally very disappointing in in pretty much every way, and I think something that you said about it when I was uh, mentioning it to you uh, sounded very accurate, which is it's almost like a kind of con that it looked like it cost no money whatsoever. It's just shot in like someone's house. Nothing happens in it that would require money or anything, um, and uh, they're all kind of hanging out. It's just like famous people, so you're gonna see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's got to make back scheme. its budget of five pounds. <laughs> like, just based on the fact that people will go to see Timothy Spall and Kristen Scott Thomas or whatever, and they got to spend 48 hours just hanging out, shooting the shit, um, and occasionally reading dialogue for the movie. Um, it's it, it's kind of like, I don't know how many of our listeners or the people in this room ever watched the uh, the show Bremner Bird and Fortune, the, the satirical, you know, UK I remember show. that show. Remember that show? And they used to do like a recurring sketch where they kind of had uh, middle class dinner party stuff. And it, there weren't any kind of uh, specific, like it wasn't like a conceptual sketch, but it was just like annoying middle class people having a dinner hanging out. And it felt very much aimed at the audience for the show, you know, sure. the, the sort of like wankers who sit around discussing politics and you kind of laugh a bit recognizing yourself. Um, and the party is kind of like that. It feels like a sketch. It even has like a sketch punchline. And uh, the satire is so kind of limp that you could feel like it, it could only be amusing to the people that it, pur- it purportedly is targeting. Yeah. It's just directed at this class of um, essentially, you know, not to want to sound too cynical, but like professional film critics are exactly from the milieu <laughs> that the movie is sort of sure. very gently mocking. Um, and it doesn't feel like it identifies anything particular or that it could have been it's very contemporary could have been written like at any time like Bruno Ganz is like a sort of lame new age guy and Patricia Clarkson is a sort of rationalist type annoying rationalist you know and they're all just types sure Killian Murphy is like a, a wanker banker guy <sighs> fucking bankers yeah and it's just kind of not saying anything and there's the jokes are not particularly funny I didn't find it very sharp the it, it meanders along all of the uh, plot events in it are drawn directly from like soap operas. You know, it's like very EastEnders type stuff. He's dying. He cheated on her. Blah blah blah. It's like that kind of shit, and uh, just seems pointless to me. And I don't know why everybody loved it. It just kind of ambled along and ended, and it was you know a bit of a waste of waste of time for everyone involved. Jesus, I don't know. It's just it's I don't just have that much good to say about it. It's black and white for some reason. Like. No, like, they they like couldn't a, afford to light it properly because otherwise it would literally look like a, a, like a home movie. Yeah, yeah. So it's black and white, so it looks like a film. Isn't it really short as well? Very short. Yeah, it's like seventy something. Oh, minutes. they're taking the piss. Taking the piss. <laughs> this isn't even yeah. a film. I don't know. It's just yeah. It's just so disposable. I guess if you like those actors and you want to see them all hanging out together, there's there's some fun in that. Yeah, but you want to pay like sixteen quid at a curse and watch it. <laughs> seventy exactly. minute film. So, see it free at a press screen. That's my recommendation. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends. And the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. That was Hatchet Job number one. 
get ready for Hatcher Job number two. I'm psyched. It's another London Film Festival movie I saw. This one is out this Friday. Uh, also with a lot of good advanced bars. It's called Brawl in Cell Block 99. Uh, it is directed by S. Craig Zala, who's the director of Bone Tomahawk, that um, Kurt Russell, uh, very violent Western. And this is a kind of a prison drama uh, starring Vince Vaughn. It's also got Don Johnson and Udo Kier in it. Whoa. Whoa. Big pedigree. Uh, he plays a guy who tries to go straight after getting fired from his job at a garage, uh, but he, you know, doesn't not very successful at that. Oh, no. And he is forced to turn to his old job of uh, drug dealing. Oh no, crime! In order to, in order to make ends meet, he goes to crime. He goes Danny. to crime. He, he becomes. Oh, he becomes. Well, a I crime. can't believe what I'm hearing. He's a crime man. He's a crime man. He does crimes. All right. For uh, money. He doesn't end up in prison, does he? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, something, good. something goes wrong on one of his drug busts, and he ends up going to prison. Uh, and the sort of uh, basically a series of contrivances require him to perform extraordinarily violent on acts on other people. But he's a good guy. He's actually a very good guy. So you loved it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, th- so this is one I, I read. I was reading a few positive reviews of this today, uh, and it's been hailed by a lot of people as like a kind of slow burner, grindhouse, like power powerful movie like very violent like the violence is done very well and it just kind of grips you by the throat or whatever um and i don't know i think i think the problem is it has a kind of seriousness of purpose lent to it by the fact that it's quite slow to get going and a lot of the beginning stuff of the movie is uh, vince vaughn wandering around looking like very intense like a lot of coiled rage you know yeah um and you know it's gonna it's gonna oh it's kick gonna, off it's gonna happen you know it's gonna kick off eventually and just waiting for that to happen and the violence in the film the movie is all about that it's basically a movie about violence it's like a series of excuses to display violence and it's done in quite a satisfying kind of bone crunching way um and there's he's got a the director has got a very clear violence aesthetic that he pursues very single-mindedly and it's quite effective in a narrow way you really feel the kind of blows and you know crunches and stuff like that and it does you know i can see why people are coming out like it's a punch in the gut um i think the problem is that the the, the rest of it is not doesn't really uh, hold together right um i don't i really don't like the way that the movie holds up vince vaughn as a kind of noble stoic type because i think it doesn't marry well with this uh sort of silly grindhouse sensibility that if you really, like, some of the reviews were saying they really invested in his character and, you know, felt, like, you know, emotional about, like, hoping that he was going to do well or whatever. But I think if I want to see a movie where someone's skull gets exploded underfoot, it better be a fucking kung fu film, you know? Sure. It shouldn't be some kind of serious drama about a man. It better be a fucking uh, kung fu film! <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care about the feelings sure, of a man Sure, yeah, yeah, I know do exactly that. what you mean, yeah. The whole film is it's it's like a sort of movie that you would make because you were into gory films and you came up with a real clever way in your garage to make a human skull blow up sure, and, yeah. and like you know fine like, i'm fine with that but the 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 contrivances that the movie undertakes to get that to happen are just like juvenile and stupid and uh there's no reason for me to try to believe that he's a kind of hero you know when like you have to bend over backwards with the most absurd shit that happens in the film uh, in order to convince you of that. Uh, and I really don't like Vince Vaughn. I think he's absolutely terrible. I watched a couple of episodes of True Detective Season 2 where he plays like this uh, um, uh, ca- uh, casino boss. And in that, he's doing this serious performance, which means that he just like mumbles a lot. 
And it's the same kind of thing here, like very whispery, you know, everything is delivered in a very low key. Um, and I just don't buy it as a convincing thing. You know, he just seems like a guy trying to be a real actor and not convincing. <laughs> Uh, and he's also supposed to be some kind of mega like muscle man, but he's just very tall. I don't know. Like he takes a shot. Like he's not he's not that built. I mean, you know, I don't want to like you know force body every, shame, <laughs> body shame, Vaughn or whatever. But I'm like, can this is this man really superhumanly strong? You know, I believed it in Fast and Furious Eight when uh, the Rock sort of yanks a concrete bench out of a wall and just like throws it because he's so mad. You know, whatever. Like that's full of nonsense. But in this film. I don't know. He's stronger than humans can be. Um, it's also like ugly as hell, which I guess like is part of it. But it sort of looks like it was shot on his phone, and then he like put it through uh, editing Blew it suite up. to desaturize it as much as possible. So it's really washed out, and it kind of works for the disgusting prison sequences. But it like when it's just shots of his house, it just looks like a fucking reality TV show. It's really lame. Uh, and also the contrivances to make the prisons nasty are just laughable. It's just absurd. It's like everything that happens in the prison is like, uh, oh, you thought that was bad? Get ready for the next prison scene. Even more awful stuff is going to happen. Blimey. And this, this uh, he's sent to a cell with like a toilet that's full of shit and he can't shit in it because it's it's too shitty. And he's it, he stinks. Oh, you thought that was bad? The next cell's got broken glass all over the floor. Oh, so no. So he has to crawl on the glass and it's like give cuts him and stuff. And it's just full of garbage like that. It's also kind of racist, I think, because the reason he gets sent to prison is like some incident involving idiot Mexican drug dealers. They're the worst. Who he is Don't work with them. Morally equivalent to, but the movie portrays him as like a hero and them as bad, you know, because they're doing exactly the same thing. But for some reason, they're bad and he's good. I thought it was racist. That's my opinion on that. So, yeah, I don't know. If you love seeing Vince Vaughn crushing skulls, then... You're a sociopath. You're a sociopath, but you can do worse than this film. Other than that, I just thought it was like for children, basically. Or like for teen boys. It's very much that kind of movie. <sighs> Toxic masculinity, in my opinion. M- I-M-H-O. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask we poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. I saw a very similar film. <laughs> the Brawl in Cell Block 99. The Mayowitz Stories, new and selected, which has just come on Netflix. You can watch it right now, but not until you've heard my review, in which case you might not want to watch it after you've heard it. So it is the story of siblings Danny Mayowitz, played by uh, Adam Sandler, Matthew Mayowitz. I might be changing the pronunciation of Mayowitz. They say Mayowitz a lot, but I can't really remember as how long they as say it. It's approximately like you're saying it, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Mayowitz, played by Ben Stiller, and Gene Mayowitz, and Gene Merowitz, played by Elizabeth Marvel, and it's all about them contending with the long shadow their strong-willed father, Harold Merowitz, uh, played by Dustin Hoffman, has cast over their lives. Here's a bit of the trailer, because there were no clips. You don't know if this place is a client. That's why we could get a table so last minute. That's why they gave us this bigger table. I imagine they'll send some complimentary stuff, too. $55 for a steak. We're known for their meat here. And $35 for a salmon? You get the salmon to blow you for that price? Are you Harold Meyerowitz's son, Matthew? Yes. Uh, Mrs. Danny, also Harold Meyerowitz's son. I didn't realize he had two sons. And a daughter. So basically, the setup is very Royal Tenenbaums-esque, and it's about a group of kids who had different relationships with their fathers, and he played favorites, and now they're grown up. And it's also very similar to uh, the director, Nelm Baumbach's uh, movie from about 10 years ago, The Squid and the Whale, which is all about his father. And 
I'm not particularly clamoring to see another rich white New Yorker intellectual daddy issues movie. So it had a lot of work to do to like convince me and it basically didn't succeed in doing that. And it's kind of overlong, not particularly good Woody Allen-esque movie, uh, which was kind of similar to his previous previous film I saw. Um, While We're Young. While We're Young. I know he Mistress America after that. I'm basically of the opinion that every time he watches Greta Gerwig is much better than when he's working by himself because she seems like a happier, more optimistic person and just puts a bit more energy into his movies. It's got a very Woody Allen trope where it's everyone is speaking their mind constantly to everyone all the time. It's like wall-to-wall dialogue of people just being very confessional. And But it doesn't really make sense because I don't understand how these people have such repressed relationships with their father when they're constantly telling him what they think of him all the time. It's like, how can you be so emotionally honest <laughs> and then also have all this unresolved baggage? That's a good point. It makes no fucking sense. That's a really good point. And uh, I think similar to what you're saying in the party, th- these characters feel like character types rather than uh, fully run individuals. And it lacks the authenticity uh, that the squid and the whale had. And it feels a bit like, you know, you made your daddy issues movie and it was very good. And... This is just Noel Baumbach is like, oh, I still don't like my dad, so I'll just make a new film where all the characters are a bit older and schlubby like me. Also, a thing I didn't like about it is the way the female characters are very sidelined. There's this, uh, basically, uh, the way the film is structured is these kind of little portmanteau uh, kind of short films which are uh, which have little titles. So it's like Danny Mayowitz's story, uh, Matthew Mayowitz's story. But the Gene story is just called Gene Story in brackets. And I don't know if... And I don't know if this is a bit of sort of self-aware lampshade hanging, but it's a bit like the female characters are in brackets in that they're sort of asides. It's not and triple brackets, is it? That thing that you uh, people do on Twitter to kind of somehow annoy Nazis. No, that would have been better. Okay. Just a regular, just the regular brackets, not as good. And um, yeah, the Gene story uh, is feels very tacked on, and the result of it is to motivate the male characters. Oh yeah, classic. And, and it's a bit like in your film about daddy issues, it would have been interesting to see the female perspective on that, but uh, it just couldn't be us, so it didn't do that. Something which I found very annoying about it, I'm kind of glad I didn't see it. They screened this at the London Film Festival, and I'm kind of glad I didn't see it with an audience because it had something which I've noticed happens in Alexander Payne movies. I saw Downsizing at the LFF, and you and me both saw Free Billboards at Ebbing, Missouri, which are movies that purport to be about adult emotions and relationships, but have very broad, low-hanging fruit humor, which feels incredibly cheap. And uh, there's a similar thing uh, in this movie where uh, Adam Sandler's daughter is like a film major and she sends like her weird, arty films. And they're just like these complete nonsense parodies of like, oh, those films. And I was like, I can imagine seeing this with an audience and them laughing and me resenting everyone around me. It's just like Farrelly Brothers humor for people to go to galleries. Exactly. And it's this sort of Woody Allen thing. Like, the Woody Allen thing, particularly his 80s stuff, is basically he, I don't know if he's the first person to do this, but probably the most successful American director to take a sort of European Bergman-esque style of just, like, miserable people in rooms yelling at each other and just, like, transpose that to a sort of more Western New Yorker thing. But Woody Allen is a professional comedian, so his jokes work. Whereas Noel Baumbach is not a professional comedian, so his attempts at humour fall, like, horribly flat. And I... If I met anyone who laughed this film, I would dislike them. (laughs) Um, But the saving grace is that the acting is very, very good. Adam Sandler, you can add this to the pantheon of, you know, whenever he tries a dramatic role, he does very well at it. And I think he adds a lot of pathos to a very broadly written character and he just about makes it believable. 
And uh, Emma Thompson plays Dustin Hoffman's current wife. And she is like the sort of hippie new age drunk with the full beads and like colorful sunglasses. But she Ah, is a good enough actress to sort of just whatever semblance of reality. She can somehow make that work. And I think it resembles, I know I've said the word Woody Allen a lot. I've got Woody Allen comparison to Retta. But um, it resembles a Woody Allen film in that it feels completely unnecessary. There's no real reason why this film exists. He's dealt with these themes before in other superior films of his. And it's like, well, Woody Allen, you know, it took him like 25 movies to repeat himself. But you're already like five in, Bowback. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's very watchable, but it's very like televisual. Just a series of long dialogue scenes where people just yell their minds. And it's like a bit over. It's like 100 minutes long. So it wasn't like it wasn't like a you know particularly for like a waste of my time, but just sort of yeah, that was another film. I will forget about that instantly. This <laughs> I will look back on this review and remember this film. What? What? I saw the <laughs> with stories. Yeah, I don't know if I've just you know you've hatchet job the first two movies. So I've just to like bring up the hatchet jobs. We're not even done. There's one not more even terrible done. film on the on the roster. Okay, Man Between Us. Hope you're not sick of uh, hearing me say films are bad <laughs> or, or Danny doing that because uh, not, not quite done. So um, this is... I don't even know this is still in cinemas. Honest, <laughs> whatever, I watched it. I'm going to fucking review it. Um, uh, the Man Between Us... It stars uh, Idris Elba and Kate Winslet, directed by someone called Hani Abu Assad, who never heard of. Um, and I certainly won't be clicking on that Wikipedia link to find out who he is. Idris Elba and Kate Winslet, they play a surgeon and a journalist, respectively, who ended up stranded at the airport. They're both trying to get to the same place, and their flight is cancelled. And desperate to get there as soon as possible, Kate uh, is trying to be married. Trying to be married? She's doing her best. Well, she has a wedding that she's going to go to, so she probably will succeed. Uh, and Idris Elba needs to get to perform surgery on like uh, on a boy. He's got like a boy who's ready for surgery. Jesus. Um, and stakes. so high stakes. So desperate to do that, they uh, charter a private flight uh, piloted by Bo Bridges in the first of, of many amusing, <laughs> unintentionally amusing sequences in the film. Uh, and the flight does not go well, and they end up stranded on a mountainside with an, uh, no obvious route for escape, and they just got to hack it out there. Here's a clip of this film. Still don't know what clips I'm going to use, but I'm going to find them. I have some Advil. Are you okay? A couple of bruises, a few scratches, a couple of cracked ribs. I'm okay. I got lucky. The pilot. He didn't file a flight plan. No. No, but there was radio contact. How long's it been? 36 hours. We've got plenty of water as long as we can melt the snow. Got four packets of almonds, a couple of candy bars, half eaten sandwich, and some cookies. What kind of cookies? What? Joke. So this is the film you loved. So <laughs> I wish I wish I could be contrarian and love this movie because there were a lot of bad reviews of it, but it is like really bad. Uh, the screenplay is co-written by Chris Weitz, 
the legend behind the genius by the golden compass the golden right? compass and like american pie and stuff genius um and yeah i think the main problem is just it's extraordinarily bad screenplay there's a number of unintentionally amusing like bits in it i mean i would say that in some ways this is the most entertaining of like the three terrible films i saw let me give you like a flavor of it so when they encounter Bo bridges uh he's very much the kind of guy who just turns up you know he's got this hang dog look to him he doesn't seem to completely know where he is um they ask him uh, if it's gonna be an easy flight you know do they need to tell like give people a flight plan or whatever and he's like nah i used to fly uh, fighter jets in nom i know what i'm doing it's no problem five minutes into the flight he has a stroke <laughs> <laughs> he's dying <laughs> uh so that didn't work out too well so they crash um it's full of like hilariously clumsy lines of dialogue uh it's kind of a romantic drama you know they strike up a relationship of course of course How could you not well they're both so beautiful they want to you know you're a screenwriter and you want to make clear that one of these the man is the kind of logical you know rational guy he's like of course a i need that established the, to me the, the, the woman is you know more emotional she follows uh, of course she follows her heart and gut classic woman classic woman um so uh there's a bit when uh idris Elba is talking about being a surgeon and he's like uh, he's like he's, he's a neurosurgeon he's like there's a lot of responsibility cutting into a brain that's where the uh, perception is and and the uh intelligence he literally says something like that like he explains why the brain is important in case in case you might not have he known. mansplains a brain he mansplains the the why a brain is important to kate windsor and she's like her response is not like i know what a fucking brain is she's like <laughs> she's like uh but what about the heart yeah that the woman's reply and he, and he of says of course that's just a muscle so that you've clearly clearly established the dynamics of the two of them i love it you love I it i know where they are now and it's like the whole movie is very low-key sexist it's all like her having dumb ideas and fucking up and him having smart ideas and carrying them out and he also like does everything she's very much she breaks her leg in the plane crash so you know obviously he's passive due to that and anything she tries to do she kind of fucks up and he has to like sort it out so uh yeah it's just like you couldn't even make a shit film that wasn't offensively sexist at the same time you know? <laughs> um and yeah how I are the leads know. they you know they're quite charming actors yeah they're i mean they're fine i guess they're kind of struggling through material it feels like a bit like a holiday for them and actually one of the things that's notable about the movie is that for a survival in the wilderness film it's very easy for them i mean you know a few bad things happen but by and large it's kind of fine it's not like some kind of go into the heart of darkness have your like uh sort of easy comforts broken down and you lose all your sort of sense of you know your professional self and you just become some kind of beast you know struggling to survive whatever because yeah. you feel like it's got to do that to in order to have some reason to exist it can't just be about them like wandering about lovely snowy landscapes and basically you know getting along well but that's kind of is what it is right okay so it sort of feels like you know they flew out to some beautiful mountain landscape they hung out they said their shitty lines they're both in like nice clothes the whole time. They seem to be remarkably well prepared for life on the ice. To be honest with you, um, yeah. They they've also got like a dog with them, which is like quite a cute dog that they use for a lot of Kate Winslet kind of reaction gags. And she talks to the dog a lot, and the dog is very charming. But the dog is so happy the whole film. Like, the dog never <laughs> never seems like it's a bit worried about it. it's going to starve to death. Like that's a dog for you. They don't have enough food for themselves, let alone the dog. So you really think. The gonna, fact that they crashed with a the dog, I was like, are they going to eat the dog? Is the dog going to die? Like, what's going to happen with the dog? Pretty much nothing. The dog's fine. Oh, brilliant. The dog bounds around. It's having the fucking time of his life. It's in the outdoors, you know? It's great. It's a, just a great landscape for a dog to be in. So, yeah. I don't know. It's very disposable. You could pop it on TV while you're doing something else. You know, when you're, like, chopping onions or whatever, making food. 
if you've got some work to do, have that on the background. It's sure. a bit like a screensaver of a movie. You know, it looks nice, and the the leads are very attractive. Sure. And the the, do, the do they have sex? They fuck. Awesome. Do you get to see like Idris's like? Bum, yeah, the sex bum. scene is just like a close up of Idris's dick. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just stuff happens around that. Very very <laughs> conceptual. It doesn't doesn't cut away from the dick. Uh, it's a still. It's a static image. <laughs> It's a bit like, um, you know, in you know, in it, when there's the shot of Pennywise dancing and like the face doesn't move, but everything else kind of moves. It's like that, but like with Idris Elba's dick. <laughs> You're resetting this movie to me. So now. I've got to say, the sex scene was good. That that was the most interesting part. But aside from that, aside from that, the time to turn it off. By the way, once you're sick of the mountain scenery, as soon as they get out of there, turn that fucking film off because there's like a twenty minute. I don't know, it might be not that long, but it Ooh. felt like it felt like an endless, endless coda of them fucking about in the rest of their lives and it's lame and you don't even find out whether he's like the kid you know got saved or whatever you don't Ugh. even know he had to save some 10 year old boy and you don't even find out what happened oh, so good. That's, that bit was like total shite but oh, yeah stay at home guys don't go to the movies don't go to the movies and if What's you're at all? home don't watch you know Netflix don't watch movies at home <laughs> <laughs> read a book <laughs> for god's sake I'm done I got the bile out of my system no more bile <laughs> That's the last of the bile. Last of that bile. Two of my humours empty. When Zach heard something that changed his life, what he listened to? Film child. When John Cusack made a mixtape for his future wife, what did she listen to? Film child. And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? Film child. When Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next week we will be reviewing. You can call me by your name. Yes, you can uh, call me by your name. And maybe Death of Stalin. Yeah, yeah. So might, two might big releases. Probably two. Well, we know one of them is very good, so it won't be another Hatcher job week. Yeah. So at least fifty percent positivity. That'll be nice. We get to get to like yeah, wax lyrical, rather than wax hostile. Oh no. Or something. Thank you so much for listening and. Um, stay naughty <laughs> yes <Yeah>, stay naughty <laughs> goodbye let's do it all of us I could literally sit there and watch it again, and then you had this said, nice idea. Yeah, of... I said, well, what are you doing for the rest of the afternoon? I can go ahead and get some pizza and get those socks oh. with the toes in them. Love those. Just... Look, look at that. Well, we'll order right. pizza. We'll get the, get the socks. Uh, we're excited we're all, about uh, the socks. We're ready to, you know, sort of wrap I've it up I've got one more thing to do. Let me know, and yeah, I'll yeah. We'll we'll down down the... Size 10. Uh, one size fits all, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Saving Mr. Banks out now. Go and, and see it. Brilliant. A stunning, stunning Thank you. Thanks, guys. He's got charisma. Oh, he's so, I, I loved his openness and his honesty. Mm. He's really rare, isn't he? He just sat there like an open book. I think he loved you as well. Do you like me? No, I just... Because oh, sometimes you just, sit, you just sit and watch and think, oh, here we go again. I've seen it. No, just a couple of times I've seen it. You know, we've mentioned it on here before. There are just occasionally... I've had one bright red. I'm really trying. Crackle, crackle. I'm really trying to hold it together, but I can't. <laughs> oh, dear. Did you fancy him? No! He's very tough. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you might be added to my list. Okay. Oh, man. We're on page two now. <laughs>